and it says, uh, Genesis 47, 13 says, Now there was no bread in all the land, for the famine was very severe, so that the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan languished because of the famine. And Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and uh, in the land of Canaan for the grain which they bought. And Joseph uh, brought the money to into Pharaoh's house. So we see here that this famine uh, that uh, had grown so bad that was uh, had caused Jacob to send Joseph's brothers to Egypt had had continued to grow. And we know at that point uh, when they had. Uh, the, everything kind of got revealed that uh, Joseph said, hey, there's only two years. We still have five more years to go. So this famine's getting pretty bad. And uh, throughout uh, Egypt and the land of Canaan, uh, north of, of Egypt. And uh, so it's getting it's getting really bad. And, uh, you know, imagine being in the spot where there's not even any bread. And that includes like the 99 cent Wonder Bread. You know, there, there's no bread. Have you guys ever had Wonder Bread? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's like you eat, you're eating air, you know, there, it's just, it's there, there's a loaf of bread, and it, it weighs, I don't know, um, but it's just this thing, and, and I've had it before, and we've had this, real. you've had really dense bread too, right? Um, I, I know I can appreciate uh, some, some good, uh, is it rye bread that's on a Reuben? I think it's rye bread, you know? Yeah, and it's it's so, and I don't mean to make everybody hungry. Hopefully, you had dinner, uh, you know. But but you know that really dense, that just bread. There there's nothing. There's no good bread. Uh, there's no bad bread. There's nothing. It's got to that point where there's nothing here, and uh, so everybody had paid all the money that they had left. You know, I think for us uh, as human beings, our our basic human needs, we need food and water, and when there's no food. Uh, that's that's a point of desperation that I hope none of us uh, get to, but it's one of our most basic necessities, and we need it for our physical sustenance. I just got a an ice cube in my mouth. I didn't mean to. Excuse me. So uh, Joseph uh, goes to each place and and uh, and collects money. We know that he had set up uh, different places for people to be able to come, and he was the one governing the land. So uh, they had set up for, uh, those things were set up for provision, and he gathered the funds, and he brought them back to Pharaoh's house. He was a trusted man, and he was a good steward. You know, Joseph was in a position that his word wouldn't have been questioned, and what does he do with all that money? He takes it to Pharaoh's house. He's a God-fearing man, and he's not taking it for himself. He brings it to the boss. That's where it's supposed to go. Verse 15, so when the money failed in the land of Egypt, in, in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, give us bread, for why uh, should we die in your presence? For the money has failed. And then Joseph said, give your livestock, and I will give you bread for your livestock if the money is gone. So they brought their livestock to Joseph, and Joseph gave them bread in exchange for horses, the flocks, uh, for the horses, the flocks, the cattle of herds, and for the donkeys. Thus he fed them with bread in exchange for all their livestock that year. So the money is all gone, and, and now, uh, I mean, their livestock was going to die anyways. It's, it's not going to make it. If they can't eat, uh, think about it, right? If we don't have any food, what's going to come next? You know, those things are going to die off. And you probably can't eat them all fast enough. Uh, so they're just going to start starving to death. So 
Uh, it's a trade-off that makes sense, and Joseph saves the lives of both them and their livestock with this trade when they when they come with this problem here. You know, uh, this, uh, this governing authority um, is a godly one, and uh, he is under the authority of, Authority of God. They're they're uh, they're under godly leadership. He's he's a governor, and uh, he is concerned with their needs and well-being. And when they come, Joseph is able to say, "Okay, if you don't have anything, give me your livestock." Uh, like I said, their livestock was going to die anyways. So this is a way of preserving them uh, and their uh, their lives and the lives of their livestock. So God is sustaining life for all of Egypt and Canaan through Joseph. And this end up ends up covering a whole year of provision for them. Because we see uh, in verse 18, it says, When that year had ended, they came to him the next year and said to him, We will not hide from my Lord that our money is gone. My Lord also has our flocks and livestock, uh, flocks of livestock. There is nothing left in the sight of my Lord but our bodies and our lands. Why should we die before your eyes, both we and our land? Buy us and our land for bread, and we and our land will be servants of Pharaoh. Give us seed that we may live and not die, that the land may not be desolate. So the people come to an even higher elevated state of desperation the next year, and they come with a proposition for Joseph, and they offer themselves uh, and their land as payment for food. Uh, this wasn't Joseph running around saying, hey guys, what are you going to do next? Uh, as uh, a wicked ruler would. Like, hey, no, your food's running out. What are you going to do? These these people came to Joseph with this proposition. We have nothing left to offer you. We've given you all our money. We've given you all of our livestock. And, and, uh, and, uh, and now all we can offer you is ourselves, that we would work for you and that we would give you our land. Verse 20, then Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for, for Pharaoh. For every man of the Egyptians sold his field because the famine was severe upon them. So the land became Pharaoh's. So Joseph's the guy you want managing your business. You know, if you're running a business, Joseph, uh, is, and we talked a little bit about this last week, this is the guy you want as your, your manager. You know, you don't you don't have to have a close eye on them. You can let them run the show. I uh, um, I I know that I in my career I had one of my bosses, and it was um, it was probably between 2007 2008 somewhere right around there. Uh, and I was blessed by this, and this isn't a means of praising myself at all. But I I understood it was a lesson. That's why I'm sharing it with you. Is my boss said, John, it's nice to know that when I leave. The, the office is, you know what you're doing, and the office is going to run. Uh, and I that was I was just running like my office and uh, at me, and, and there was one other person in there. And uh, my boss knew that she can take time off because the place wasn't going to go up in flames when she took the time off. And that was just us two. This, the, he's running a nation. And as he's running this nation, it, he, he can be trusted with everything. And he's you know, Pharaoh, you know, he comes in with all the money, comes in with all the livestock. And now he's telling Pharaoh, hey, I've brought all the people here. I'm, I've struck, I struck a deal with them that they're going to serve you and they're going to give you all the land. 
and you'll you'll end up uh, owning all of this. And uh, so as far as uh, a businessman, the guy you'd want running it, he's he's honest. He takes his job seriously. He provides a good return on an investment, and he takes care of. We could call them the customers here, right? So you know, if if uh, if you're the buyer, you want to deal with somebody uh, like Joseph. You want to be able to come in and say, "You're going to take care of me, right? You're going to, you know, any of us when you go to buy anything. Have you ever been somewhere and you realize like somebody's coming up licking their chops? <laughs> you guys been there before? Like before you can step out of the car, or before you can walk into the store, boom, right in your face. Hey, what are you going to do? You know, you're going to buy. You know, you got to come buy this and everything. And um, it's. Uh, I remember as teenagers. We went through this phase. My buddies and I, we were big 90s hip-hop uh, guys, and we wanted turntables, and we wanted DJ equipment, right? So we came down. There was a music store here in Ellsworth, and uh, my buddy uh, had some money on him, and and uh, and he's like, I'm going to buy a DJ, a big DJ thing. And, and this thing was like way out of the price range, but we were like, let's see how it works. And, and this guy saw us coming, and he's, he knew, okay, these guys have a little bit of money. I don't know how much money they have. But he walks up, and, and, and my buddy kind of is, is the one that's kind of stepped forward, and, and uh, two of us have kind of stepped back, and two or three of us. And we're just kind of standing around watching. So he knows which one he's got to get. And he thinks he's got us all set, and he's like, check this out. And he goes to hit the button without looking, and he totally misses. And there's nothing happens. And, and he had to stop, and you know he had this, this great plan of, of, of wowing us by hitting this button without looking. Even to this day, we'll all look at each other and go, check this out. And because, right? So, you know, when, when somebody sees you coming, right? So we knew this guy uh, didn't have really any care for us in mind. He, he saw us coming, wanted to look cool so that we would buy something from him and, and he would benefit. I've, I've also been on the other side of that. And I'm sure you have too, where you see somebody that says, uh, you know, hey, uh, you, I know you're interested in buying this. If you come back tomorrow, it's 50% off. You know, or, you know, isn't that nice to see somebody that you can trust? Joseph was one that a business owner or, a, a, you know, a, a pharaoh could trust and the, the crowd could trust. He was a godly man. And that's a lesson for us that we would carry with us is that, that we would be trustworthy, that we would be good stewards of what's in front of us and what's been placed in front of us, especially at work or uh, by the Lord and and that we would, as we conduct our business, it could be the business of the gospel, it can be anything, that, that those that we're working with know that we actually care about them. Uh, I remember having a discussion, actually recently, uh, it came up most recently talking with John and Simone, and, and uh, it was uh, a, a quote, and I know I've shared it before, but I, when I was interning as a youth pastor in Washington, this was 90, uh, 2000. Uh, I don't know, 2001 to uh, 2003. And uh, the guy just told me, he, he it was a quote that I'll never forget. It's, nobody cares what you know until they know you care. Um, when, when you know that somebody actually cares about you, uh, Joseph very much cared about everybody else. Uh, and he, he didn't say, ah, I got you now, checkmate. I own you, I own everything, right? Like a, like a wicked person would do. Uh, you know, they came forward to Joseph and, and he presented this this plan to them uh, as uh, they came and they presented it to him and and he was good with it. And um, he uh, he uh, brings them a verse 20. Do we read verse 20? We did. OK, um, so he brings them and, and he puts them where he wants them. 
verse 21, as for all the people, he moved them into the cities from one end of the borders of Egypt to the other end. Only the land of the priests he did not buy, for the priests had rations allotted to them by Pharaoh, and they ate their rations, which Pharaoh gave them. Therefore, they did not sell their lands. So Joseph moves uh, the workers to where he wanted them to work. Um, uh, again, a smart manager. Uh, God had given him wisdom, and uh, Joseph puts them where he where he wants them. They're there to serve. They're in. Joseph is uh, going to use them and, and put them to work, and he also has them there in a place where they can easily be provided for. The exception here was all the priests who received rations from Pharaoh. They kept their land uh, as appointed by Pharaoh. Verse 23. Then Joseph said to the people, Indeed, I have bought you and your lands this day for Pharaoh. Look, here is seed for you, and you shall sow the land. And it shall come to pass uh, in the harvest that you shall give one-fifth to Pharaoh. Four-fifths uh, shall be your own as seed for the field and for your food, for those of your households, and as food for your little ones. For uh, So they said, you have saved our lives. Let us find favor in your sight, my Lord, and we will be Pharaoh's servants. And Joseph made it a law over the land of Egypt to this day that Pharaoh should have one-fifth, uh, except for the land of the priests only, which did not become Pharaoh's. So verse 23 shows a difference between godly lord, uh, leadership and lording over somebody. And he says, I've, I have bought you and your land for Pharaoh. We've made a deal. You guys came and you offered. And he says, I, I've bought you here. And, and he didn't say, now you belong to me, slaves, you know, and, and just break out the whip. And everybody comes out, starts laughing and said, oh, you guys are so stupid. What does he say here? You know, he provided them with the seed to sow uh, the land um, that he had placed them in. Now they could provide 80% for themselves and for their families. I like where he says that too. He says, uh, for your food, for those in your household, and food for your little ones. Food for your little ones, you know, that he, he's he's caring even about the children that aren't really productive to him. You know, that they are seeing here that they've made a good deal with a good man. And uh, so they're, you know, uh, they can keep uh, 80% and give 20% to Pharaoh. And, uh, you know, slaves don't get paid 80%. You know, what he's doing here is he's just providing for and taking care of them, but also looking out for the, the interests of uh, his master, the one that oversees his work. And you notice their response here. It isn't, you've swindled us and stolen us away. Look at, look at their response. You have saved our lives. Let us find favor in your sight, and we will be Pharaoh's servants. You know, this was a good trade for them. They were provided for and treated well, and uh, they were willful servants in return. They had faced a certain uh, starvation here, and uh, he saved them and their families. We understand that it's God saving them and their families. And uh, when, when they're coming to Joseph, they know that uh, they've been provided for and, and that this was a, a deal that worked out very well for them. And uh, if you notice, this is, you know, Ad, as Joseph had told his brothers uh, a little bit back here, he said that everything that had happened to him was used by God for his will. He's like, guys, you had this this all planned out, you know, do, just relax. You know what, what you were doing here. Remember, God brought me here to save your lives. 
and not only their lives, but to save so many people's lives. So Joseph knows what's going on here. You know, it, it made me think that, you know, if, if God hadn't, hadn't delivered Joseph through them selling him, I have to imagine that they might have killed him along the line, right? I mean, we know that, that we can't really go back and do the what ifs, but they were already talking about killing him, right? They already hated him so much. They hated his guts, couldn't even see him or speak peaceably to him, it said, right? It was getting to that point where they see him in the field and they're like right on the edge. Like, do we kill him? Do we not? No, let's just save him. You know, it, over time, it might have gotten there. God delivered Jake, uh, Joseph and used him, e even in a, a way that he wouldn't have thought of. But, uh, you know, this is uh, it, just a, a crazy thing that set this all in motion. And look where Joseph is now, in a spot where he's not only providing for his family, he's providing for the land of Canaan. He's providing for the land of Egypt. You know, man's ruling is flawed, but we can know under God's rule, uh, there's rest for us. And uh, that's something that we can find uh, peace in. Proverbs 29 verse 2 says, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice, but when a wicked man rules, the people groan. Right? You remember the groaning of the children of Israel, fast forwarding from here, hundreds of years as they're, they're, they become end up being slaves in Egypt, and the groans. You know, and they are just, and God hears their cries uh, because they are under wicked authority. Then eventually, we'll see here that there's a new Pharaoh who doesn't know Joseph, doesn't respect Joseph, and things get bad for them for quite a while. And the Lord hears their cries and eventually delivers them. Spoiler, I know, but but there's when you consider something like Proverbs 29:2, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. When you have some, and that's what's happening here. You have a righteous man in authority, and the people are rejoicing. Ever had a good boss, <laughs> right? Had a godly boss as a Christian, and you're like, ah, right? <laughs> I know some people that were in some pretty awful, awful situations, right? And uh, and they're like, I, can't, I just can't work here anymore. I can't be in these conditions anymore. They get hired by a brother or sister in the Lord, and they're like, ah, oh, you know, I feel like, you know, I can come to work. I don't feel like I'm ripping people off or I don't feel like I'm being attacked at work or that I've got to, uh, you know, my, my faith has to be, um, uh, my light has to be dimmed down or I have to be quiet or anything. It's, it's that when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. And, and that, that happens individually in our lives also. This was, you know, such a, a great thing. And uh, so they're blessed. They're blessed. They have a godly man in authority, and uh, this is working out well for them. Verse 27. So Israel, Israel, speaking of uh, Israel, Jacob, and his family, that, that eventually is, uh, is known as the nation of Israel, Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt, in the country of Goshen, and they had possessions there and grew and multiplied exceedingly. And Jacob lived there in the land of Egypt 17 years. So the length of Jacob's life was 147 years. So he came there at 130 years old. Over 17 years, look what had happened. They had, uh, they had possessions there and grew and uh, that uh, grew and mul so they had the possessions and they grew and multiplied. 
uh, exceedingly as people. You know, they were having kids and um, uh, their, their, their group of people was uh, growing and multiplying exceedingly uh, over 17 years. And, you know, as they were there, uh, as God said that they would, you know, he's, he's beating, being obedient to God's will and God is blessing him. Now, uh, there are times where we may look at somebody's life and go, why is that person being so blessed? They're not honoring God with their lives. You know, God is gracious. God has a purpose and his ways are, we just sang that, God's ways are higher than our ways. We may not understand certain things, but we can look like the psalmist did and say, you know, they seem to be getting away with everything in their life. But then I saw their end. Right. You know, their their wickedness. And it, it seems like everything's going well for them and their life is easy. But I saw their end and just know that, you know, there we we've never been promised a life without trial. Right. If you look at James, it says consider it pure joy uh, when we do face those trials, because the trials are going to come. And, and, and James tells us that those trials are going to build us. They're going to strengthen our faith. Right. They're going to sharpen us. And uh, so those they're, they're going to come. Hard times are going to come. But what we see here is because they're uh, they're where they're supposed to be. And uh, as they're being obedient to the Lord, everything's growing. And uh, 17 years have gone by. And now Joseph, uh, Jacob is 147 years old. And uh, time is, is drawing near uh, for the end of his life. Verse 29. Now, when the time drew near that Israel must die, he called his son Joseph and said to him, Now if I have found favor in your sight, please put your hand under my thigh and deal kindly and truly with me. Please do not bury me in Egypt, but let me lie with my fathers. You shall carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burial place. And he said, I will do as you have said. Then he said, Swear to me, and he swore to him, so Israel bowed down, uh, himself, uh, bowed uh, himself on the head of the bed. So uh, Jacob's time is is coming to an end, and he calls for Joseph. And uh, remember when uh, they were leaving Canaan, and God told Jacob that he was going to be with him, and that he was go he wasn't going to his bones weren't going to stay there. He was going to be taken out of Egypt and returned to Canaan. And he told him that Joseph was going to close his eyes. He hadn't seen Joseph in a long time. And uh, he hears this promise from God. And now even this part's coming true. You, I, we're watching things unfold and we're watching the prophecy, uh, you know, unfold in his life. And uh, we can look in hindsight and watch it happen and, and uh, see how God was working there. Just understand for us, you know, when the Lord speaks to us and he calls us. I, guys, I know several people in this church that have done some things and made big life decisions that I'm looking at going, I could never do that. <laughs> you know why I can't do it? Because I wasn't called to do it. But those who are called to do it, they're like, God's calling me to do it. I'm going to do it. You know, and, and, and uh, I don't mean to embarrass them, but. You know, uh, you know, when Oliver had just told me, hey, you know, I, I'm getting done my job and we're just we're going to make donuts full time. I couldn't have done it. You know, I, I, I just but it, he could do it. And I, it, I don't like I said, I'm not trying to embarrass him, but he was called by the Lord to do it. The Lord told him he heard he and Alexis had heard from the Lord and they were walking obediently into that. And they did. And God has blessed their, their business and blessed their family and provides for them. 
you know, and, and uh, it's it's one of those things where we're going to have the peace. We can look at it from the outside and go, there's there's no way I, I couldn't do it. I didn't think for a second they were making a, a bad decision. I'm just looking at that going, I would be nervous to do that. Why? Because I haven't been called to do it. That wasn't my that that was what I was what I was called to do. But Jacob was called to follow the Lord to to uh, the Lord's instructions to go to Egypt, and he he went there and he stayed in the land of Goshen for seventeen years, and now uh, he was been provided for. They've been growing exceedingly, it says, and they were uh, provided for abundantly, even in uh, the time that they were there. The first five years they were there was famine, you know, and 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 now that that famine has passed, and and uh, they're uh, just there for an extra 12 years uh, so far. Uh, God has blessed them, and they're they're growing exceedingly and, and these things. And the time has drawn near, and he's losing his life. And he knows it's, it's coming to an end, and he calls for Joseph, the one that God promised would close his eyes. That's why he's calling for Joseph. That's his son. He's, got, he's had his other sons. He didn't lose his other sons like he lost Joseph. And he knows the one that's supposed to be closing his eyes when he passes away. And he tells him, put his hand under his thigh. We've talked about that, so I'll briefly discuss it here. It's a solemn oath for us today. It would be like raising your right hand saying and saying, I swear to do this. I'll take an oath that I will do this. And uh, you'll remember that Abraham and, uh, told his servant uh, he had to put his hand under his thigh uh, uh, to uh, make his servant swear that he wouldn't take uh, a wife from the, the Canaanite ladies that he was supposed to go back to his people and get him uh, a wife. And that's where, you know, he went out and uh, that servant found Rebecca in a miraculous uh, story there that we, that we covered together. And uh, you know, th this time it was to make uh, Joseph swear uh, to bury him with his fathers. So the first time we saw it was, was with Abraham and his servant. This time it's with Joseph uh, and uh, Jacob and Joseph. And uh, so uh, both times it was uh, by a patriarch at the end of their lives. You know, uh, Abraham's nearing the end of his life when he sent his uh, chief steward to go, a chief servant to go and find the wife. And here it is at the end of Jacob's life. And he's saying, uh, you know, don't bury me uh, here. You need to get me out of here and take me back where my fathers were buried. For uh, for the Christian today, um, these types of oaths and swearing uh, have been changed. If you look at James chapter five, we're we're told uh, in the scriptures uh, not to swear by anything, but just to let our yes be yes. And I know I've said this a few times too. I, our yes be yes and our no be no. That we would be people of our word, uh, saying, "Yeah, you know what? I, I if I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. If I say I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it." And stand by that word too, right? Yes, be yes, and your no, be no. So Jacob knew that uh, that God had told him that he was uh, going to be uh, taken up again and that Joseph had, was going to close his eyes. So as he's doing this and he uh, has his son put his hand under his thigh, uh, it's a way of uh, just assuring uh, Jacob more than anything that he was uh, going to be pulled away. Jacob didn't want to stay in Egypt. He was in Egypt, but he wasn't of Egypt. He knew the promised land was Canaan, so he wanted to be brought back there. You know, there that's a that's a whole thing. Is yes, they were they were residing there, but they weren't they weren't to be of Egypt. Just like the Christian isn't supposed to be. Yes, we're in the world, but not of it. 
right? We shouldn't make our identity here, that this would be the place that we want to hold on to. You know, if we want to hold on to this, I don't know about you guys, and I know I've said this a billion times too, every day I look at the news and it's crazier and crazier and crazier. I'm like, I don't want to be, why would we want to stay here? I mean, I have a, a wife and children that I, I, I love and I'd rather just get raptured with. Uh, I don't want to leave them behind or anything, but man, you know, when, when my day comes, my day comes and I'm, I'm going to be with the Lord. Uh, there isn't this world to hold on to. You know, I suppose if that's our mindset, like um, many of the, the uh, you know, the non-believing or um, the, um, uh, the uh, trying to think, atheist, you know, that just believe that we're, we're goo. We come from nothing. We are nothing. Uh, we, uh, we miraculously came together and we have teeth and we can hear and we can talk and we have feelings and we eat and uh, we drink water. We, we have a very complex system that didn't just come together. And you guys have heard me use, that's the easiest thing for me. Um, I, I know some of you are great, great, uh, greatly in depth, uh, in, uh, scientific, uh, discussion with people and, and go those things. Awesome. I think it's great for me. It's the simplicity in my heart. And, and the easiest thing for me to ref reflect on is this thing's way too complicated. You know, the fact that I have my own DNA that nobody in the world has ever had and never will, you know, that, that we all have our own written code within us. That's not, guys, that's, that's not by chance. That's not by, and the fact that we can intellectually have a conversation, that the, the miraculous things that happen for words to come out of my mouth and to go uh, into your ears and that you can comprehend it. You know, those, those to me, that's the, uh, it's the basic things. Uh, that that just uh, are, are extremely po profound me because I'm I like things pretty simple you know that that's just my mindset um, you know it, it it's it's those those things here that this world is not everything to some that cling to the fact that this is all they've got and this is I mean, that's to, that's the saddest outlook on life I think that that we could ever have live life to the fullest you know the YOLO you only live once. Yeah, the YOLO crowd is saying, hey, you know, we're in the world. we got to be of it, and I'm going to do everything I want. I see that on the commercial, and I want that life, and I'm going to dive headlong into it. When they dive headlong into it, they realize their life's out of control. They can't keep a job, right? Their family's falling apart. Their life is falling apart. You know, all those things that the world will promise. It, it, you know, we are called to be in this world as Christians, but not of it. Jacob didn't want to hang around Egypt. He was being blessed in Egypt and his family was there with him and they were provided for, but that wasn't home. You know, they, he, he wanted to go back uh, to Canaan and, and be buried with his fathers. For the Christian, we're sojourners. We're just pilgrims here. We're just like passing through here. You know, this is, this is a temporary spot for us. We want to go to our home. We want to be in our spiritual home. Genesis 48, verse 1. Now it came to pass after these things that Joseph was told, Indeed, your father is sick. And he took with him his sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And Jacob was told, Look, your son Joseph is coming to you. And Israel strengthened himself and sat up on the bed. Now Jacob is 147 years old and he's sick at that, you know, being sick at that age, it's always taken seriously. You know, they know things are really coming to a close in his life. 
And remember 17 years ago uh, when he got there, he's like, I can die now. I've seen Joseph. And uh, he, he was ready. He was ready to die a full man saying, you know, I've experienced uh, the, just this has all been restored to me. I could die right now a happy man. But the Lord had 17 more years with his family. And so Manasseh and, Eph- Manasseh and Ephraim are brought to them. Joseph is around his 50s and uh, his sons are around you know, their 20s. And so the 17 years and, and they had already met um, uh, Jacob before. So some estimates would be 50s and 20s, somewhere right around there for their age. And uh, so uh, them going up would be expected uh, just because, they, you know, if this is it, everybody's going to go, right? Uh, but there's more to this story. As they're coming up here, there's more happening with Manasseh and Ephraim coming. Uh, so uh, we'll get into that here uh, very soon. But, uh, you know, when Jacob heard that Joseph was coming, coming, he strengthened himself and sat up in the bed. You know, now at these, this time there wasn't an IV. It's not like he's got potassium you know, a drip, you know, going through and he's got a lot more energy or anything. He summons the strengths he has and like, oh, Lord, help me. And he's able to to sit back up. It's not like he has oxygen help there. You know, he's everything's slowing down and uh, everything's getting weaker. And he wants to talk to his son. And this was one of those things that would uh, make him muster up the energy to sit up, you know, that that I don't have the energy. But when I hear my son is coming. I'm going to sit up right now. Just he's he's things are getting bad and uh, he's taking a a turn for the the worse as far as his physical health goes. And uh, there isn't much strength in him, but the strength he has, he wants to sit up and have uh, another conversation, a last conversation with his brother, with his son or uh, one of the last ones with his son. Then verse three, then Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me and said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you, and I will make uh, of you a multitude of people and give this land to your descendants after you as an everlasting possession. So uh, Joseph, uh, Jacob immediately, as he's talking to Joseph, goes straight to uh, God's promise uh, when it was the, the place he's referencing was Luz and it was formerly uh, Luz and, and he ends up changing it. It ends up getting changed to Bethel, which means house or Bethel, uh, house of God. Now, Bethel was 18, uh, uh, 11 miles north of Jerusalem and Abraham had built an altar there in Genesis 12 after being in Egypt, coming um, back that way. And um, this was a place that God had revealed his presence to Joseph, uh, to Jacob, uh, the the account of Jacob's ladder. And uh, the Lord stood above it and had spoke, had spoken to, uh, to Jacob. And uh, at the time, Jacob was running from his brother Esau. He had tricked his father into, uh, the the blessings of the of the older son and uh, and he's running from him and and he didn't want to get killed obviously so um, Jacob said that uh, you know there is none other uh, this is none other than the house of God when he had this this happen when when he uh, experienced when he could see 
uh, the ladder and the angels ascending and descending upon it. And God speaking to him from the top of the ladder, uh, he woke up and, and he says that, that he didn't even know that God was there, that, that God was present where he was. And what he had to say was, this is none other than the house of God. And he changes it from Luz to Bethel. So uh, the and what he had heard from the Lord was the Abrahamic covenant uh, was going to continue <clears throat> through Jacob. And he promised to be with Jacob and bring him back into that land. So after that had happened, Jacob set up a stone and that he had rested his head on and he anointed it with oil as an act of worship. He had, uh, you know, an altar there and, and, uh, um, and then changed the name from Luz to Bethel. So when jo Jacob is talking about it, it's the place he's talking about. And uh, Jacob returned to Bethel later and actually changed the name to El Bethel, uh, God, uh, the God of uh, Bethel is uh, what that would mean here. And, and uh, this was after another encounter with God. So Jacob is reminding Joseph of the promise that he had received from God to give them the land as an everlasting possession, that Canaan was to be uh, their possession. That land was given to them by God. Uh, even today, look at the, the battle uh, and the wars that have happened over that land. And there are many that will say, well, Israel stole it. They took it away. No, God himself said that that was their land. God gave them that. And the argument is against God. Is in the war that is happening and the battles that have happened over the years, the wars that have happened over the years, are wars against what God has promised. That land it belongs to Israel. It was promised uh, through Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. And Jacob is telling Joseph, yeah, that land. That land uh, was to be ours. In verse 5, And now your two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. Notice how he said Ephraim first. Manasseh is the oldest. Ephraim is uh, the younger. And uh, it's when he, they are brought up here, uh, when, when we uh, consider what happened in verse 1, it says Manasseh and Ephraim. And now uh, Jacob is talking about them in reverse, Ephraim and Manasseh, who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt, are mine, as Reuben and Simeon, they shall be mine. Your offspring, whom you beget after them, shall be yours. Uh, they shall, they uh, will be called by the name of their brothers in their inheritance. So Jacob informs Joseph that, hey, by the way, your kids are my kids. And uh, we will see this is all prophetic. This is all what the Lord uh, does uh, at this point and what the Lord does in the future uh, through uh, the nation of Israel. Uh, so he's informing them that they're his. They're his. And uh, the, the names of these two, Manasseh is forgetfulness and Ephraim is fruitfulness. Uh, so when he is addressing Ephraim, uh, that's uh, just looking at the name. It's 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 quite an interesting name, and that the younger would be mentioned first. So we'll see how the blessings in the territory uh, take. Uh, they work out later uh, next week in our study, and um, and how this spreads out even more. And we'll cover it a little bit even here tonight. But verse seven. But as for me, when I came out of Paddan, Rachel died beside me in the land of Canaan on the way when there was but a little distance to go to Ephrath. 
and I buried her there on the way uh, to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. So Jacob is still thinking, you know, at the end of his life, uh, he's, he's reflecting back. And uh, Rachel is still very near and dear to his heart. And he's saying, she died uh, next to me and I, and I had to, to go bury her. Uh, so he's, as he's talking to Joseph, he's even talking about Rachel, who was his, his mother, uh, as Joseph's mother. So uh, that was a special conversation for the two of them. Uh, she was a very special wife for him, uh, but uh, the two sons that she had, Joseph was one and Benjamin was the other, right? So that that would this conversation would mean even more. It would mean more to somebody, you know, as they're losing their dad, to all of his other sons. But specifically when she he said, Rachel, no doubt his son's heart sank, you know, thinking, oh, man, I miss my mom. You know that there, there's, there's that there too, and, and Jacob saying, "I loved her and I buried her." Verse eight. Then Israel saw Joseph's sons uh, and said, "Who are these?" And Joseph said to his father, "These are my sons, whom God has given me in this place." And uh, we know that uh, before this, he had just told him, "The sons that you uh, that were born to you are mine." And uh, he said, "Please bring them to me, and I will bless them." Verse 10, now the eyes of Israel were dim with age so that he could not see them. So then Joseph brought them near to him and he kissed them and embraced them. And Israel said to Joseph, I had not thought to see your face, but in fact, God has also shown me your offspring. And so Jacob's eyes are dim and he doesn't even know who's standing. He knows the two figures and probably thinking it's his grandsons. But, you know, who are these two uh, you know, spots that I see and um, that Joseph tells him and he has them come come near. And it's a very powerful moment here. And uh, Joseph uh, brought them near and, and Jacob kissed them as a grandfather would. And, uh, you know, there's more happening here. And Israel told Joseph uh, that he would, uh, he never thought that he'd see him again. So as his kids are being brought and he's kissing their heads and everything, he's like, you know what? I never thought I'd see you again. Never thought one that I would ever see you again, let alone to see you and to have 17 more years with you and to watch my grandchildren grow. And here I am. Now I've got your, your grandsons right here at my, my grandsons right here at my side. You know, what a, what a fulfillment that the Lord had, had restored you know, what all that had been taken away from them and the Lord restored it. You know, consider the life of Job, right? And I know I've, I've brought this up when, when Job went through everything that he had and he lost everything. And then after he had gone through such crazy trials of the boils and losing everybody uh, in his family and losing all his livestock and all of his children, all those things. And at the end of the book, another, I like to give you spoilers, but the end of the book, it says that he had double of what he had before. He was restored. That's how God works in our life. Life, you know, as we trust him and we follow him, he's going to bless us. He doesn't promise us what the the fake uh, the fake uh, gospels that are are circulating specifically, especially here in America, but that are spreading all around the world of prosperity. That God is going to, you're going to be rich now and you'll never go through any hard trials or you're never going to. And if you are having hard trials, there's sin in your life. You know, talking uh, with, uh, you know, brothers and sisters uh, that, that just tell me like, 
Do you know how cruel that is? We know people that have lost the husbands or wives or children or whatever, and they're going, what did we do wrong? What did we do wrong? Like, that is such, guys, that is such a demonic, a satanic message. It really is. It's a satanic message that, that there would never be any hardship in our lives. We are going to experience hardship. We're just going to. We're, this, we're in a fallen world. We haven't been promised this, this life of, uh, hey, everything's ideal and everything's going great. Things didn't go ideal for these guys, and things didn't happen the way they thought they were going to. But here is Joseph in front of his father. They never thought they'd lay eyes on each other. Now they have those 17 years, and he's got his grandchildren in his arms, and he's kissing those young men's heads. He's like, I never thought I'd see you again, and now I've got these ones here. No doubt, I believe, tears just fill in the eyes of, you know, this, this is a, a fulfillment here. God, God working. You know, it's shown me your offspring. Verse 12. So Joseph brought them, brought them from beside his knees and he bowed down with his face to the earth. Now, Joseph uh, is a, uh, the ruler of Egypt, and here he is bowing down to his father, who's greater than him, in reverence of his father. He he's in charge of everything, and every everything's been put under him, and he is still showing reverence and love for his father. Verse thirteen, and Joseph took them both, Ephraim with his right hand toward Israel's left, and Manasseh with his left hand toward Israel's right, and brought them near to him. So we see the position of the right hand, position of authority and honor coming into play again. The place of favor, the older uh, to Jacob's right hand, the younger to his left. And, and that's how the blessing would happen. The older would get the, the uh, blessing and uh, the, the, the younger would still get a blessing, but it would be a lesser blessing. So Joseph does what he knows to do when he takes the older and brings him to his father's right hand and brings the other to his left. Then uh, Israel, verse 14, stretched out his right hand and laid it on Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand on Manasseh's head, guiding his hands knowingly, for Manasseh was the firstborn. So Jacob's hands cross, and his hands uh, are on opposite order, uh, in the opposite order of a normal blessing. Uh, it says that he guided his hands knowingly. He didn't. He he knew. If there's anybody who would know who gets the the oldest birthright, wouldn't it be Jacob? Right, our buddy that you know put goat's hair on the back of his neck and on his arms, put his brother's stinky clothes on, goes in, tries to trick his dad with a good you know bit of food. Hey, dad, it's really me. You guys remember the story, right? He understands that. That's why he went in dressed like his brother. His voice betrayed him, right? Like The voice sounds like him, but man, you're hairy. You know, this has got to be Esau, right? He's got goat's hair on there. That, yeah, that's definitely Esau, and you smell like him. He know, If there's anybody who knows what he says, it says that he, he guided his hands knowingly for Manasseh was the firstborn. What he was doing was of God.
verse 15, and he blessed Joseph and said, God, before whom my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, walked, the God who has fed me all my life, uh, all, all my life long uh, to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads, let my name be upon them, and the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. So he pronounces a beautiful blessing on his grandsons, and he starts it with God, and he uses the plural masculine noun Elohim, uh, the same God that as you open your Bible, the first word, uh, the first in the first line, it says in the beginning God, Elohim. Um, that's the plural of the singular, which is Elo. I can't do the phlegm thing. Eh, you know, Elo. Eh, right. It's this is the plural of it, Elo, Elohim. And uh, what we can see here is as he's saying Elohim. Uh, I love uh, you know, Oliver saying that he he loves to talk with uh, people that are in Jehovah's Witnesses or. Uh, the uh, the Mormons because he loves to speak uh, specifically the Mormons uh, regarding um, uh, sorry the uh, I just said it Jehovah's Witnesses because they don't believe in the Trinity you know when you can look at uh, original text and it says Elohim that's a plural noun you know and what what does God say in Genesis let us make man in our own image. This is so uh, when we when you see God, that's just a uh, as in the original language, that's what's being used here. So Jacob is reflecting on his life and he knows that this was the same God that his fathers walked with. And he says that God fed him all his life. Literally, that means that God shepherded him, that God was his shepherd. You know, God had been his provider, uh, similar to saying like Jehovah Jireh. God, uh, my provider. And uh, so for him to make a, a saying like this is he's saying that what does a shepherd do? Right. If you look at uh, we, we can look at you know, Jesus saying he's the good shepherd. And, uh, you know, that's I, you guys know that I love that that chapter. But a, a shepherd's job was to provide for the flock, to protect the, the, the flock, correct the flock. That shepherd, the sheep uh, find uh, peace next to just you guys ever noticed um, uh, like with with a dog um, I, I you know I can give give my dog a corrective spank and everything but that doesn't mean my dog hates me he understands that I did that he doesn't may not know exactly behind it but he he, he doesn't think oh because my uh, you know uh, because my dad or master uh, corrected me he hates me now he doesn't like it when I do that you know God corrects us he loves us and, uh, you know, when you consider when we are being a shepherd to whatever's in charge of us, uh, whatever we're in charge of or put under uh, our control, we are responsible for leading, for providing, for protecting. Right. He's saying God was my shepherd. God provided for me. He gave me everything that I needed. You know, when you consider, as the psalmist say, that, he, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. You know, that this is that type of reflection, like, oh, man, God was so good to me. God was so good, and he provided everything that I needed. He says, the angel, capital A, who has redeemed me from all evil. He's talking about uh, about God here. Now, um, 
the word redeemed in the original language, ga'al, ga'al. And uh, in, in Hebrew, uh, it means to redeem, to buy back. And uh, it's, if, if you've ever heard the term a kinsman redeemer, uh, would be the one to provide uh, when someone would pass away and there was nobody else uh, that was in the immediate family, that kinsman redeemer would be the one uh, offered the opportunity to take care of uh, their family. Uh, go ahead and read Ruth if you want to know more of the kinsman redeemer. You want to kind of understand that a little bit more. But that redeemed, you know, the one uh, to redeem him and to provide for him. That's who he's calling God right now. The one that provided for him uh, and that redeemed him. You know, there was a lot of broken things in his life, uh, you know, broken by sin. You know, what he did to his father and his brother and what Laban and his brothers did to him, right? You know, Jacob, when, that's a heavy saying when he says uh, this This here is that the, the angel has redeemed me from all evil. There was a lot of evil in his life. Remember, he said, you know, uh, the, 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 that the days of his life were evil. You know, when he met with, uh, with Pharaoh, uh, he even said that himself. So then he, he asked God to bless his grandsons. He calls them the lads. Let my name, is, is, his name, Israel, be upon them. And uh, uh, he, the, the reference here, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And uh, as you look through the scriptures, often referred to as the fathers and patriarch, patriarchs. And Jacob was the father of the tribes of Israel. Verse 17, now when Joseph saw that his father had laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. So he took hold of his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to his father, not so, my father, for this one is the firstborn. Put your hand, your right hand on his head, on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He also shall become a people. He and he also shall be great, but truly his younger brother shall be greater than he and his descendants shall become a multitude of nations. So he blessed them that day, saying, by you, Israel will bless, saying, may God make you as Ephraim and as Manasseh. And thus he set Ephraim before Manasseh. So quite an interesting event that's taken place here, right? He's got his right hand on Ephraim and his left hand on Manasseh. And Jake, Joseph's looking like, what is dad doing here? I need to switch this up. Maybe you know, dad's a little confused or whatever. And he goes to switch his hands. And when he goes to switch his hands, Jacob stops him and says, I know, my son, I know. And then what he tells him is, this is from God. This is, there's something bigger happening here, Joseph, than what you're expecting. You know, yes, I know the older is supposed to ex experience that blessing and supposed to get that. But, uh, you know, he thinks he's making a mistake and he's saying, no, no, Manasseh will be a great people. But Ephraim uh, will uh, from Israel. Uh, what does it say? Um, uh, Ephraim's head. Da, 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 da. Oh, OK, yeah. Um, I lost my spot where I was. Anyways, he said that the, the bigger blessing is going to come uh, from Ephraim and shall, that Ephraim would become a multitude of nations. So 
again, Manasseh will be blessed, uh, but uh, the northern tribe of Israel would often be referred to as, as Ephraim. Now, uh, Jeremiah 31.9, here are a few verses that will, it looks forward for us where we can see where this has taken place. Jeremiah 31 verse 9, God called Ephraim his firstborn uh, when speaking uh, of Israel being saved. Uh, at the end of uh, 31 verse 9, it says, for I am a father to Israel and Ephraim is my firstborn, Right? That, that that God is even declaring that. So Jacob is declaring that God would would bless them, and and it would be. But um, this uh, uh, what we see unfolding here is that uh, in a way that uh, God is giving Joseph and 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 Jacob is giving Joseph a double portion of inheritance, where it would be divided between these two, Manasseh and the Ephraim. So when, when he takes them and he makes them his equal to his sons, and he says that, it's because there isn't a, a tribe of Joseph. Um, it's, uh, you'll see, uh, as, as I'll read here, it's Manasseh um, and, uh, and, and it will say uh, Ephraim. Numbers uh, chapter 1, verse 32 and 33 says, From the sons of Joseph, the children of Ephraim, their genealogies by their fathers, by their father's house, according to the numbers of names, uh, from 20 years old and above, uh, all who were able to go to war, those who were numbered of the tribe of Ephraim, were 40,500. So the tribe of Ephraim it's speaking of. Now, what's pretty neat here is there's been the distinction. Manasseh gets the tribe, Ephraim gets a tribe. But if you look even forward, uh, further ahead, it's a, it, there's a neat mention again of Joseph uh, kind of being brought in, that Ephraim uh, and Joseph being remembered uh, through Ephraim here. Revelation uh, chapter five, uh, chapter 7, verses 5 through 8, there's a mention of um, uh, regarding the 144,000 sealed by God as the world's following the Antichrist, 12,000 from each tribe. Uh, Manasseh is mentioned and the name of Joseph. Uh, is mentioned, but throughout Israel's history, it's Manasseh and Ephraim. So it's just that that uh, that different word being brought up here. Uh, so it's 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 an interesting thing to look into. Uh, now, if you're considering the the tribes, Levi didn't uh, didn't get their own possession. Uh, if you look further into Joshua, that's way ahead for us. Uh, they didn't get their own territory uh, when they go into the Promised Land either. So it's pretty neat to see how this that all ends up shaping uh, and and coming into uh, into play as we move forward here. Verse tw uh, twenty one. Then Israel said to Joseph, "Behold, I am dying, but God will be with you and bring you back to the land of your fathers. Moreover, I have given to you one portion above your brothers, which I took from the the hand of the Amorite with my sword and my bow." So Joseph's making it clear that he's dying. Uh, sorry, Israel is uh, making it clear that he's dying. Now, verse 49, uh, chapter 49, we're going to see a final blessing and final words come out of uh, Jacob's mouth. But uh, he just he's just flat out saying, this is, this is the end for me. And he tells his son that God will be with you and bring you back to Canaan. 
the land of your fathers. The greatest comfort we could ever give somebody uh, as they're following the Lord is that God is going to be with you. That's the greatest. Guys, there's nothing greater that we could ever uh, hope for. You know, hey, um, what is it, uh, the saying, I, I work in a maritime school, it's uh, fair winds and following seas or something like that. You know, that's a, that's a nice well wish, right? You know, those, those things that you'd want. And hey, you know, uh, I pray that you're blessed in your life or whatever. But just to hear God is with you, that's the greatest thing we could ever hear. You know, that, that when we understand what God did, uh, when you look through the scripture and when there's one standing uh, in God's name against however many, uh, in any situation, you look, at, look at Elijah and the 450 prophets of Baal. Uh, that's just one that, that always pops into my head uh, very quickly. Just those times, you know, that, that you've probably heard the saying, me and my God make a majority. And that's true. You know, every, everything's subject to God's control. He can, he can wipe anybody out if he wants to. You know, there's, there's nothing that's too strong for him. But what a great comfort he tells him. So, uh, you know, God, God had told Jacob in his life that he would be with him. God went with him. And at the end, Jacob is reflecting back and, and can attest and encourage others, including his own son, saying, you know what? God said he was going to be with me. He was with me and he's going to be with you also. Now, uh, verse 22, uh, he says, I've given you uh, one portion above your brother's. And if you consider, you know, the, the two portions that would have gone, one would have gone to him, uh, but one above that would be Manasseh and, and Ephraim. We see uh, those two portions happening even right there. So uh, the portion that he took from an Amorite uh, with a sword and bow, we don't really have much about that, but uh, it happened. And, uh, and what he's saying here is um, uh, that uh, whatever was here uh, uh, that I'm going to take and everything um, – that uh, I took it from the hand of the Amorite with a sword and a bow. We don't know uh, particularly what that was about, but uh, whatever it was, that that was going to be passed on to, to Joseph and, and, of course, to his sons also. But some pretty interesting things uh, as the life of Jacob is winding down. We've uh, been studying Jacob's life, life here for several months and uh, you know, just going through and looking how God... Um, uh, ministered J Jacob and his sons, I should say, for the past uh, few months. And, uh, you know, crazy stuff for us to learn, uh, good and bad, that we've we've seen here. And this is the end for him. He's coming to a point where he's going to give final blessings in chapter 49, and then he's, he's done. His life is over with. But, uh, you know, as things are wrapping down, you know, looking back, we can see there's quite a bit that's happened. But I love when he summarized his life. He's saying, you know what? God was with me. Isn't that great? He said that God was my shepherd is what he's saying. God fed me and that the angel redeemed me. I mean, if we can look back on our lives and go, you know what? God protected me. God provided for me. God was the one that led me. And he was the one that took care of me. Whenever anything was going on, God was with me. You know, for a summary that he's passing on to his son to make sure, I mean, that's that's quite a summary for any of us to look back on and go, you know what, there were good things that happened in my life, there were bad things, but I didn't go through it without the Lord. And then he encourages his son saying, God's going to be with you. It's awesome. I love it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we have your word, that we can grow, that we can learn from it, that we can continue to just be built up 
want to be used by you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your grace. God, that we would not only accept it and find great comfort and peace in it, but Lord, as Jacob did here at the end of his life, to share it and to testify of it. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't wait till the end of our lives to do so, but that you know, through our lives we'd be able to share how good you are and, and what you've done in our lives. How you love us and you blessed us, saved us and worked. And we praise you, we thank you, we love you, and we ask you to please continue to be with us. Keep us, protect us uh, for the rest of this week and whatever is to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Grace and peace to you guys. Have a great rest of your week.